Hello, this is Carrie Freitas. This is the Interesting People I Know podcast. I'm going to be speaking today with an interesting person that I kind of know, but will get to know. So it's still, it's like, it's it's truth in advertising. I'm just telling you that this is going to be happening. We're getting to know each other. Um, and her name is Nicole Riley. She is an MD. Uh, there's all sorts of acronyms. She's MD, which means she was a doctor, is a doctor still. Anesthesiology, I think, was her specialty. She mm-hmm. can correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. Um, and she is um, on her way to her licensure in marriage and family therapy, um, currently practicing as, is it a, you can just tell me, is it associate? What's the A for AMS? Associate, yep. Yeah. Oh, God, mm-hmm. I'm like, I felt really smart. Um, <laughs> and she is one of the wonderful therapists that you um, could have the privilege of working with uh, at the Smith Psychotherapy Group right. here in Newport. So Nicole Riley is here. Um, I'm going to ask her some questions about her bio because like there's a name that's popping out and I'm really excited about it. Um, she's also a certified yoga instructor. I mean, I don't, she must not sleep. We'll talk about that because she says that she um, is going to talk to us about mindfulness in a certain way that's kind of new to the to the podcast and hopefully to you, which I'm super excited about. But I'm wondering if she's mindful of the fact that she has like all these really amazing <laughs> um, certifications and qualifications and also teaches yoga. So I mean, I don't know, maybe she's mindful of not sleeping. We'll talk to mm-hmm, her about that. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the podcast, Nicole Riley. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Um, so we're going to get into the, the meat of the whole thing mm-hmm. shortly. So people stay tuned. But um, Dr. Andrew is a while. Is that yes. he, okay, so he's super famous in wellness mm-hmm. circles, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I'm a consumer and a layperson, And I know his name um, as being like one of the top kind of wellness yeah. docs, yeah. I would say. Um, so tell me a little bit about your study with him. I'm just super curious about what that looked like. So after I finished um, and was practicing in anesthesia, I ended up doing an integrative uh, medicine fellowship with Andrew Weil at University of Arizona. Wow. And so cool. yeah, so we learned all about nutrition and lifestyle and um, kind of like more of the holistic way of, of treating, you know, the human being in addition to the traditional Western medicine to, to be able to incorporate um, just an, an integrative practice where you're using both eastern western like modalities are exactly exactly i love that i think and and that i think um would be so cool that you have that background that you have the md background and that additional overlay let's say and then the psychotherapy training you know and mindfulness i mean what a great opportunity to work with a therapist who is coming at it from like all different perspectives which Mm -hmm. i think is so fascinating yeah and so great um so I want to, before we get into the, the total crux of it, I wanted to ask you just about the transition between, you know, anesthesia, um, which I feel like is the most stressful. I mean, talk about being mindful. Like, I'd be very stressful to be the anesthesiologist. I'd rather be like an orthopedist or like <laughs> maybe a dentist. Um, but how did you decide to make the transition from being a practicing anesthesiologist to a therapist? So I think part of it was the fact that it was incredibly stressful. I ended up Searching, searching for different things that um, could help me cope with the stress, yeah. rather than just eating fruity pebbles every night, which I is mean, what I was doing. And I've heard that that's not really the way you're supposed to do it. Right. Not that I haven't not good. pursued that modality. Right. I don't know what that modality is called. Emotional eating, probably. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, eating my feelings. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah. So I, I, as it was actually introduced um, to mindfulness through um, the department chair, and then. Um, took some time to kind of explore to see what I wanted to do as next steps and started getting some mindfulness training with um, John Kabat-Zinn and Saki Santorelli at UMass wow. um, Medical okay. Center, actually in Worcester and um, back east. And um, and then was doing the Integrative Medicine Fellowship and started an integrative pain management practice in Huntington Beach okay. where I was seeing um, chronic pain patients who basically had maxed out their traditional Western medicine yeah. modalities and um, we're s- still experiencing a lot of suffering. Okay. So it was, you know, trying to incorporate the yoga, the mindfulness, the nutrition, the lifestyles, the stress management, in addition to the typical Western medicine, um, which uh, my partner was providing um, a majority of that through epidurals and what have you. Okay. Um, but just trying to find alternatives to narcotics sure. and things like that. Yes. And then um, the way that the therapy 
part of it, the piece of that came into my life was a lot of my patients were still suffering um, with deeply rooted depression and right. anxiety. And the pain might mm-hmm. have been, I'm not saying psychosomatic, but there had to be, maybe there were some roots there. Yeah. I think they're just really entangled. Yes. And um, it's difficult to just treat pain you know, alone when yeah. there's depression that's coming from the pain or perhaps something that's precipitating the pain or, you know, informing it. So I, after speaking with my um, business partner and really liking the work that I was able to do, just sitting across from somebody, but not feeling like I was trained to, to counsel, counsel somebody. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I took some time off and wow. uh, sold my practice to him and then got the master's in marriage and family therapy and, you know, had a baby, et cetera, et cetera. And then here I am now. That's so great. Yes. Was there any um, fear in the the choice of of changing, I mean, turning a page, starting a new chapter? Was there any fear or hesitation or did you just kind of jump into it? Oh, no, there was a lot of fear and a lot of shame. Okay. Um, And guilt just from having, you know, put so much of my life into strictly medicine. I think those were kind of, they were present, but not overwhelming because I I wasn't sure at the time whether I was going to try to combine everything into my integrative pain management practice, um, which still may be the case down the road. Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? I love love keeping options open. Exactly. Exactly. But yes, there was a lot of fear and just worry about, you know, what are people going to think? What's my family going to think? What are my colleagues going to think? Other people's expectations and judgments, right? Exactly. But I mean, it sounds like you were called to it. Yes. You know, so that maybe felt less fear. I mean, there was less fear maybe around that for you internally, but it's like the exterior kind of judgments and stuff that... Right. And I think that through my mindfulness work, I was able to see that there was more fear and not engaging what I knew to be true to my heart. Yeah, um, there was that was more scary than than making the yeah. Leap. And I feel like is that kind of a segue into what we're going to talk about today, or am I being obtuse? Like I mean, because I looked at you know because we were going back and forth and like the pre-show prep about mindfulness, mm-hmm. and we've talked about it a lot. I don't think, and I want to make it clear, I don't think there's too much talk about mindfulness that's possible. You right. know what I mean? So I just want to say that yeah. like I could talk about it all day. I think we should be thinking about it all the mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. and trying to practice it. But when we talked about like having a certain take on it for this particular episode. Um, You had talked about finding your own way home through Mm -hmm. mindfulness and living in alignment. And so to me, that seems like a good example of you pursuing that. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah, it seems like it, right? Yeah, that's what exactly what I'm trying to do is is try to be the life that I want to have is just try to go and do it. So perfect. Okay, good. Right. So let's talk about this. Let's just go into the topic. Okay. And um, I guess let's, because people come in at different points of in this podcast's like story arc and journey and episodes, mm-hmm. can we talk about like a general definition of mindfulness that's useful, that doesn't sound like so amorphous that people can identify with it? Right. Like, what okay. is mindfulness? So mindfulness is just paying attention to the present moment, but with the flavor of being non-judgmental. Okay. So it's, uh, it's, It's paying attention, and as the inner critic is arising to the, you know, and what inner critic (laughs) rearing its its face, (laughs) then we can we can be able to be present to that, um, and to present to our habitual patterns, present to whatever emotions are arising, thoughts that are arising, physical sensations that are arising, without um, without judgment. So creating more spaciousness for whatever is here. So in yoga, when I've been, and I, you know, my therapist is like, you really should keep doing it, and I want to, but that's another episode. um, I, I remember, you know, each time there was messaging, you know, from the instructor about like, if a thought comes in, don't attach to it. Um, like, it, and I think it was basically what you're saying is like, let it flow through, don't judge it, just kind of let it pass. Like you're aware of it, you acknowledge it, and you let it go. Right. Is that kind of a mindfulness yeah, absolutely. Practice so you're having it. You're so it's being aware to whatever is arising. So that the thought, as you said, and then um, the non-attachment piece of it is just seeing it just as an event, basically arising in your consciousness. Okay. And then not um, identifying with, with it, not making it who you are. That is you really know, hard. it is really hard. You know, especially if you know if there's sadness here. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that. Not that I'm always sad, but just that sadness is here in this moment. And how can I kind of open around it rather than push it away? Or try to avoid it, um, 
you know, that's where our maladaptive kind of coping skills come in. But just trying to see what's here, have some more gentleness around it, um, more loving kindness with the way that, you know, we're engaging with ourselves and this thought, emotion, physical sensation, okay. et cetera. Mm-hmm. So can we like walk through an example of, and again, I don't want to get stuck too stuck in the granular part, but I, I do think it's important to give people like some, um, not just like tactile, but very specific yeah. information. Sure. So let's say, and this happens all the time. So let's say that I am getting ready for the podcast and um, like I'm looking in the mirror and I have like a negative body image thought, let's say, right? So what's a way for me, like if I look in the mirror and go like, oh shit, Carrie, you look so fat today. Mm-hmm, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's probably not non-judgmental. <laughs> so like, let's say the thought happens. And so I'm, I acknowledge that I thought it, and then what do I do? So you're checking into basically the three different components okay. of the moment, which are going to be physical sensations, um, emotions, and the thoughts. Okay. So then you would kind of just turn inward, maybe take a deep breath. That helps to engage our prefrontal cortex um, versus our fear-based kind of thinking um, with our amygdala. And so then you're checking in to say, okay, well, I'm having this thought about my image, what am I feeling actually in my body? Like maybe there is, with that thought, there's this- Like tightness, let's say in the chest or the throat. Exactly, tightness in the chest. So, you know, taking a moment to actually feel that, like what is the quality of it? How big is it? How small is it? Does it change? Um, and And then really trying to kind of look underneath all of this and see what sort of emotion might be present. Okay, and is that gonna be like more, um, like a like a core emotion exactly. like am i feeling fear sadness yes. anger right exactly yeah and it with a okay. challenging one it's usually one of those three okay so you know what would be under there like maybe it would be a fear of judgment right um, like a, how are people going to see me out in the world exactly you know? exactly yeah and so then having some um you know so that would be that kind of a mindful check-in. Okay. Emotions, thoughts, and physical sensations. And then from there, you can move into kind of a self-compassion break, which, um, you know, is uh, the mindfulness is a great door for that because then once you have identified the primary emotion, then you can say, okay, well, uh, fear is here, you know, yeah. fear of judgment. Right. And, um, you know, this is, a, this is a challenging moment. And then kind of take it one step further. I'm not the only one who fears judgment. So you're not the only one who has. You're not alone. You're not alone, right? There's this common humanity piece. And then what do I need from here? You know, and not what do I need? Like I need to go to the gym or I need to put on more makeup. It's like, what do I need internally for myself for self-soothing? Okay. And that might sound like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I am enough. Uh, This, you know, um, Whatever would my be body soothing. is strong. My like I just worked strong. out. Like yes. I'm really like thankful to have a strong yes, body. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm healthy. I get right. to go have the podcast. Like right. I'm. You know, right. a lot of people don't have that. Exactly. You know, right. Opportunity. Right. Exactly. Like having a, a bit of gratitude, or mm-hmm. even changing from like I have to go and you know sit and do the podcast. Do I get to go do this? Yes. You know exactly what you're kind of pointing to. So that's how mindfulness can kind of um, be more tangible in the moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Great example. Yeah. Okay. So can we talk about the practice of mindfulness and then moving yourself into alignment with your values? Mm-hmm. And because, you know, we, we a lot of people talk about, oh, I don't, you know, I must not be in alignment because I just don't feel, it's not like a chiropractic thing. I'm talking right, about right. like, you know, like, um, and you read things about like, once you get into alignment where you're pursuing your passion, um, being true to your authentic self, you know, mm-hmm. and some people are like, well, how do I even find my authentic self, right? That's right. a journey. Exactly. Um, can we talk about how mindfulness might help us get on that path Absolutely. to alignment? Yeah, I okay. think it's I think it's a, a beautiful door to go through to try to figure out what that life might even look like. Okay. I think first we have to figure out what's here and mindfulness helps you sort that out. So it helps you kind of put all the puzzle pieces out in front of you. Um, in terms of, again, uh, your your emotions, your thoughts, um, your physical sensations, but also, you know, the work of mindfulness is like when you're, we do these meditations, it's not just parsing those three things out, but it's seeing how we respond to the fear when the fear is present or to the sadness. You know, is there that inner critic that arises? Is there... Um, 
judgment, you know, what do I do? Do I try to avoid? Do I try, am I feeling flooded and, and just feeling paralyzed by it? So first the mindfulness tries to help you just, just to see what's here. Okay. And then from that place, then we can start to um, learn how to um, feel more comfortable navigating this, the stronger emotions when we can see what's here and start to build more spaciousness around it versus an aversion to it, then we can start to trust ourselves that we can navigate the challenging stuff in life, the challenging emotions. Um, And then from that place, we can start to say, okay, well, what do I want for my life? You know, what do I want my life to look like? And have an honest look about what's here. Okay, well... And like the what's here is going to be like your current situation yes, and your feelings around it? Yes. Okay. Yes. All of it. Okay. Anything that would be part of your experience. Okay. And then um, from that place, it's like, you know, this is part of acceptance and commitment therapy, which is um, uses mindfulness as pre- one of its precepts is deciding, okay, well, what would a life, my best life look like? Or what would, um, what are my highest morals and values? Okay. And so... You know, sometimes with my clients, I'll sit there and we'll just make a list. Like, you know, you're looking back on your life and if you really like nailed it this time, like you did it, you did a great job, like this was the best life, what were, what would be some like adjectives to describe it? There would be warmth, there would be kindness, there would okay. be consistency. Um, you know, maybe you can... Like satisfaction, satisfaction or some kind of... Satisfaction, ease, yes. um, playfulness, flow. flow, you know, yeah. like whatever you could think of. Like, what would you think of? As right, well, I was going to say, like, um, this is so interesting to me because I've never heard of is acceptance and commitment yes. therapy, uh-huh. which is, that sounds good just uh-huh. to me. I'm like, I would like to do both those things, Right, you know? right, right. Um, so I think that's really interesting because I feel like my, I mean, I'm not, I don't, don't want to turn this into a therapy session, sure. but I mean, maybe it's good for for people to hear examples. Sure. But like, let's say that I do feel like I am living my my best life right now. Like I'm very in alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it, and this doesn't mean that every day is perfect either, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not like, I think that people sometimes get confused like with, if I'm living in alignment and I'm in flow, then everything's perfect and it's just never gonna be a bad day. And I think right. that's unrealistic, right? right? right, right. Um, so, but I feel like I'm like, you know, it, learning how to do healthy relationships, right? And very mindful of the practice of that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I feel like I am like communicating as my authentic self, like, and again, in appropriate settings, you know, like I'm not gonna like spout off about politics. Like I was at a fundraiser last night and the gentleman to my right had very different political views than than I didn't that just came out kind of randomly in conversation. So I wasn't going to lay on him like a full trip of, you know, well, gee, you right. know, I'd like to convert you to my way of thinking. Right. But I mean, you know, for the most part, like I, I present authentically and um, I, I wasn't disingenuous with him. I just didn't go there, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. But mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm presenting as myself. I'm so much happier being in alignment because mm-hmm. now it's like my relationships feel more in alignment. My work feels more in alignment. Um I, so I'm just there's a sense of ease, and again, it's not every day. Like hard stuff still happens, sure. right? But I think, and the and the one thing that I'm struggling with that's so interesting is um, the body image piece, right? Because I have been doing like a lot of anti diet culture and body positive like work. Um, I've like kind of wrecked my metabolism through like eating disorders for decades, mm-hmm. and not don't currently have one, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. really healthy working out and eating right. But um, my body's just bigger, like it's. My body wants to be, I think, this way, like, because I'm working out six days a week, eating healthy. I mean, yes, did I have gummy gummy uh, bears last night? Yeah. But I mean, whatever. It right. wasn't like a binge, you yes. know. So, but that's the one thing that I feel like, I feel in alignment, like, if you ask me, like, in my body right now talking to you, mm-hmm. like, this feels like the way my body wants to show up. Yeah. But my mind, and I think the fear of judgment thing, like we talked about at the beginning as the mindfulness example. Mm-hmm is like having a hard time letting go of whether it's my expectation, societal mm-hmm. pressures, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. seeing myself in pictures, you know, like last night I took a group picture with a couple of beautiful women and, um, you know, I'm bigger mm-hmm, than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, there's genetics and stuff too, you yeah, know? Sure. But um, so I think that it's so interesting to think about like the commitment and acceptance, like, am I accepting of this part of me? Mm-hmm. Am I committed to towing the line, like, and just being like, you know what, I'm, am I committed to working through this and being like, you know what, Carrie, like everything else is in alignment, God, universe, Yahweh, Buddha, mm-hmm. whomever else is mm-hmm. talking to me, which is I think everybody, right. I like to think, right. is telling, I think telling me to just accept. 
and commit to that acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the ongoing battle. For some reason, it's the last piece of the puzzle, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like alignment feels really good. It's been in 50. It's taken me this long. And, you know, I've got a, a little bit of a break alignment or adjustment I need yeah, to do yeah, with yeah. this body thing. But so I feel like I like the idea of it. Um, but I do struggle with it from a mindfulness perspective because sure. I have to stop myself from going down the path mm-hmm. of like, oh, your life is so good. It'd be even better if you weren't so fat, you know. Right. If Got you it. also had a hot body. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then, I mean, yeah. who could stop you? Right. Right. So I don't know if this is a good example or I'm going mm-hmm. down a rabbit hole. So you can tell me. No, I think it's, I mean, anything can be met with mindfulness. And then, you know, um, so it would be recognizing these thoughts as they're arising. And then, you know, once you compi- compile this list of like your highest, you know, your best life, right? you know, what would be on it? Um, so ease is on there. You mentioned is warmth on there, is compassion, yes. is gentleness yeah. on there. Totally. Right. And oh, so, for myself too? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's, that's the whole that's point. The hard part. Yeah, I feel like right. I'm really good at giving those things. Yes, exactly. So then how do you meet this moment with the compassion? How do you meet it with a little bit more kindness or spaciousness? Or okay. maybe maybe acceptance for a lot of people feels too big, right? Yeah. So sometimes it's just less resistance. Okay. So less so there's shades of it. Like a, yeah. acceptance can be on a spectrum. Sure, absolutely. You make it work for you, however, okay. however you want to. But we have this um, this equation that we talk about in our, the mindfulness based stress reduction classes that I teach at UCI, and it's suffering equals pain times resistance. Oh, okay. So there's resistance and suffering. Yes. So if there's pain, which in this moment would be an emotional pain, like right. the, the thoughts that you're having, how it's landing in your body, things like that. So that's part of your experience though, right? The thoughts arise and we may never be able to stop those that inner critic from arising. Right. Some days it's not as loud. Is that a goal? No. It's I not mean, realistic, it right? It might be a goal, but I don't know how realistic okay, it is. Okay. So we can't like banish the inner critic. I mean, realistically, we're going to have to learn how to live... And I don't know if combat sounds too yeah. aggressive, but we're going to learn how to live and quiet it. You know, or, um, so for the inner critic, I think the inner critic often evolves from a very protective place for people. Okay. And so, you know, that's the work of the therapy is kind of like digging a little bit around, seeing where this inner critic is coming from. Oftentimes it came from a parent or what have you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some when we start to, to take this on ourselves, it's usually from a protective protective place like i'm going to beat them to the punch i'm going to beat my you know out myself as fat before they can call me exactly but so that the judgment won't hurt so bad right so it's from this protective place that it comes and so if we can frame it as that when it's arising in the moment sometimes there can be a softening around it and it can feel we could we could offer even a friendliness to it like hey inner critic I, i see you again i know you're here to protect me um but this isn't serving me right now. And so like politely declining it, like literally having that type of conversation with it. Interesting. Okay, versus like this that. like tension around the inner critic. Because it may, you know, arise throughout your life. Well, and you're saying that the resistance can cause the suffering. So exactly. if I don't resist the inner critic, but I like talk to it nicely. Yeah. Then with... it's just the inner critic and it, there's okay. no suffering there. So I'm not attaching anything to it. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, if, or if there's less resistance, there's less suffering. So you can see how there would be, if there was just acceptance around it, like, okay, the inner critic is here, then it's just that, you know, it's just that, that pain without having to um, have it be this big, you know, moment of suffering. Okay. You know? Does oh, that I make sense? That. Yeah. Okay. So, and I hope I didn't sidetrack you, but I was trying no. to like come up with an example of something, you know, so the the work with you, if you're working on this acceptance and commitment mm-hmm. therapy mm-hmm. Um, is coming in and like kind of unpacking whatever is here, right? Yeah. You said, okay. Exactly. So, and is that whatever is here, is that usually like what your patients kind of feel is the or the issues that they're facing like that can be okay yeah. yeah it's not so much like the issues or the like the stressors themselves okay. it's the way that we respond to them okay and it's in it's so the work is trying to to really kind of like parse apart like how is it that i'm responding to life you know um and then from there seeing okay that this is what's here then it's this um, quick to being judgmental or quick to being angry, you know, and then really underneath that there's sadness. And then once we know what's here, then we can start having more awareness of that as it arises, you know, outside of this therapy session or outside of the meditation. 
and then um, with like that muscle memory of you know the kind of the neuroplasticity in the mm-hmm. brain, then we can start to bring our awareness to it more quickly as time goes on, and then starting to make choices. Like we can only make choice in the present moment. Okay. But first, we have to see what's here, and we can only see what's here by bringing an awareness, you know, to what's to happening in the present moment. How? What does the work look like to to bring awareness? Like so, when someone comes to you, um, how do you? unpack the stuff that's here like what does that process look like um so for me it's very much you know using what's happening in the room so it's like we're talking about something that happened last week but even in you know like if you got cut off by somebody on the way here to work just talking about it might precipitate all those physical sensations in the body you know okay the responses Mm -hmm, all the responses all the emotions so i like to use just kind of what's whatever's in the room and um, and speaking to what's happening in your body, you know, as you're talking about this difficult thing. Well, what's happening right now right. in your body? Where do you feel that? Like, let's go and so you're actually doing the work of kind of piecing apart these three components. Okay. And so now, okay, now we know what physical sensations are here, what yes. thoughts are here, uh, and, and then emotions. what emotions. Yeah, yeah. trying to get to that primary emotion as you mentioned, and then um, and then seeing how we can meet it with more gentleness, whatever is on your list. Like if we've compiled that list of the highest morals and values and okay. a life well lived, like how can how can we start to begin to to meet this moment in that way? So you apply the morals and values to to your response. Yeah. Okay. That's the hope. So that, you know, with all the thoughts that we're nourishing, you know, when we're, we're actually choosing the thoughts, you know, and uh, mindfulness kind of will allow us to have more space to see all this. But you know, eventually the hope is that the, the thoughts that you choose to nourish, the emotions that you choose to feed, and the behaviors that you engage in are consistent with this list. That's super, super cool. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to be like open-minded and mm-hmm. non-judgmental mm-hmm. and supportive and loving, mm-hmm. um, those are the approaches that you would take to this inner critic voice popping up, right? negative emotions that or, you know, fear responses or anger mm-hmm. responses that mm-hmm. pop up. Mm-hmm. When you talk about, there's a lot of like this word of spaciousness or space, right? Yeah. And it's always confused me. Okay. So there's like creating spaciousness around something you just talked about. Mm-hmm. And then there's this concept of holding space mm-hmm. for like yourself or others. Can we talk about that? Because I think that there's something there that I don't get, but I want to, because it sounds really like juicy and amazing Delicious. to like, yeah, yes. like have all this space. <laughs> like, what is, what is yeah, it? What is that? Well, if you think of like, just like the world, it's so frenetic and hurried and we're always like trying to, you know, we're before we even finish with one thought, we're on to the next. And it's mm-hmm. just like this very, like this sense of dis-ease that we're kind totally. of all walking around with. So um, the idea is slowing down and giving something time to just unfold as it will. Okay, that's okay. the kind of space that, you know, we're, we're talking about in mindfulness. And so it's it's like, you know, for many of us, you know, myself included, you know, as, you know, I discovered doing this work with mindfulness, you know, if sadness is here or, or some sort of other emotional pain is here, I would be very quick to push it away or to move away from it. Yeah, that's, I think that's human nature. Yeah. Okay. Right? Not wanting to feel that pain. But that's creating space, but that's not good, right? Like running from it. Well, so that's not creating space. <laughs> okay, so that's so not creating cre- space, it's right. creating distance. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's a, a kind of avoiding it versus, okay, slowing down, taking a deep breath. Okay, sadness is here. This is where I'm feeling this in my body. Um, and that's kind of opening around something or creating space around something like investigating it, feeling where it's landing in the body, what other things are here, what other emotions might be here, um, you know, what thoughts are here. And so that's kind of just opening around something or creating space for something. Okay. Right. And so then you can see by even just labeling what is here, how it starts to transform sometimes. Right. Um, and you know, versus ignoring it or moving it away. And oftentimes what happens is it will, you know, like eventually <laughs> resurface in a way that you have to address it. Right. I feel like, like it comes back harder. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whether it's as an outburst or as an injury or mm-hmm. an illness, you know, one way or another, it's like, you know, if we can just start to look at what's here and let things kind of just move through and not holding them in the body, then, um, you know, we really do a service to ourselves by 
by allowing ourselves to experience whatever's here. It's here anyways. So how can we be gentle around it? How can we be kind and compassionate around it? Okay. Um, or at least have less resistance around it. How do you talk through, because I mean, I think it can be unsettling and, and scary to like create space around something that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. Like just sit with it, right? Yeah. you're saying like, um, and it's so, I think it's so human nature and I've done it a lot is like avoid. Totally. Or run from. So how What's do you point? talk like <laughs> a client or, you know, patient, like, I don't want to say talk them down, but like, how do you, are there techniques to like, to sit in the discomfort and like to, while you're creating that space? Like, yeah. I think the first thing is just to see that, that there's even a benefit to doing it because that's a common question that I get in mindfulness classes is why would I ever want to even do that? Like who wants to feel pain? Like I'm, I'm just perfectly fine. Pain is yeah. here. Let's hang out and yeah, create some space around great. it. Yeah. Like, you know, it sounds terrible. Right. But um, so the reason why it's beneficial is, you know, for a lot of people um, is that when there's going to be situations in life where we can't run from emotional pain or right. that we wouldn't want to, like say, for example, bearing witness to someone else's suffering. Yes. You know, I mean, it's that's where human connection comes from is being able to like share that. Is that called space. holding space for yeah, somebody? Is that right, what that is? Right. Okay. And so from, and so, you know, um, from you being able to navigate your own, you know, discomfort or pain or whatever. So you understand, so you have, you can have that kind of empathy, um, that kind of compassion of understanding what it might feel like to feel something similar to what they're feeling like. Um, but so in in that moment, they're having pain, but also it's probably creating something painful inside of you. It to feels see like them. a flooding exercise, right. if I'm perfectly honest, right. like, you know. Yeah. So it's really painful for you in that moment to yes. see somebody in pain, so, but you can't run. No, I don't I mean that would be terrible. Yeah. I would feel awful. It would. It, yeah. It's not in line with my, with my values of being supportive and compassionate. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so. Um, and and checking out would also not be on your list because mm. they would they feel that right you've you've been with a person where you feel yeah. like they're either completely here or you can tell when someone's right gone somewhere not else there. in their mind yeah. yeah so so being able to do the work of um, sitting with discomfort within yourself you know and 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 um, turning towards the pain you know feeling it you know and this is all this is like obviously for these part, like scenarios that we're talking about right. here, you know, it would be, this is work that a lot of people do with a therapist, but by being able to create um, some tolerance around that and some, and some trust that you can navigate it, then when you are in this moment across from somebody else you can do it. or in a similar moment on your own, when you're just att- attuned to what's happening within, within you, but you can't just escape or run, then you have the capacity, like you, you know that you have these tools to work through it. So it's by it's through practice that exactly. you get comfortable with it. Right. Yeah. But what about that first time where you're just sitting there, like really scared about? Yeah. Yeah. Is that just muddling through it? Yeah. So it, well, first it's just acknowledging the fear. Where where is the fear in in my body? You and fear is painful. It's here anyways. Like let's just look at this. Like you're already feeling it. Right. Um, what would it be like just to dip your toe in the water and to kind of look, turn toward it just a little bit? And we usually start with small things, okay. you know, and kind of build up to the bigger things, you know, or depending on what, who, whatever you're ready for. Okay. Yeah. All right. But usually teaching people coping skills, like, you know, um, you know, the deep abdominal breathing helps engage the prefrontal cortex, which helps with seeing that you have different options and improves emotion regulation versus, Trying to from do the this. amygdala and exactly. just being like fight or flight, just exactly. pure adrenaline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why is um because I think there's like a a self love or you know like a compassion piece I think to this. Mm-hmm. Um. And and like I said, it's so interesting because I when I think about the core values of who I want to be and I so much more easily can think of applying them like outside of myself. Yeah. I want to be compassionate, non-judgmental, supportive. Why is it, and I'm assuming I'm not the only one because I've heard a lot of people talk about this. Right. Why is it hard to turn that inwards Yeah. Um, to show self-love and compassion and acceptance? Like, yeah. why is that difficult for a lot of people, including me? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, thank you for speaking to that because that is so very common. Um, and there's actually research around, you know, how certain self-compassion practices they 
are actually creating more angst and more dread in people when I think when you talk about resistance yeah, and right, suffering right. I feel like a great deal of resistance a lot of times to thinking about talking to my inner critic in that way mm-hmm. let's say yeah absolutely and you know oftentimes it can come from you know what you've had modeled for you or what was the messaging that you got from when you were you know a young person or a child um, you know what your attachment figures like how they related to you their attachment you know? style and yeah, all that yeah exactly exactly and again this is all you know stuff that we do in the room but um but for some people when there was a very very critical parent or um you know it wasn't safe at home and you know this is kind of on you know maybe a different end of the spectrum um but you know, to feel happiness, to feel joy, to feel kindness towards the self might have been met with anger or it might have been met with judgment or mm-hmm. criticism. Yeah. And so, you know, those emotions don't even feel safe. So that's when, you know, you know, self-compassion interventions um, not only don't resonate for some people, but, you know, can actually be triggering, um, triggering for uh-huh. them. Yeah. So, um, and it's just, it takes time. It takes a lot of work to really start to, um, to try on these practices and sometimes it's just like i don't want to say fake it till you make it but it's like you know trying on little things like giving yourself little victories here and there where okay i did do that well you know and then that kind of and then again it kind of evolves into like wow i I really am showing up for myself um and it doesn't have to be perfect i was thinking about that this week i've been trying more like a routinized schedule for myself Mm -hmm. just to see i've been talking to my coach um, my life coach about it and I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but I have been trying to talk to myself about, you know what, hey, like instead of focusing on um, the one time I didn't work out, mm-hmm. you know, what about the five times that I did, yes. you know, and kind of a reframe exactly, and giving myself credit for that. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's so interesting, the fake it till you, till you make a thing, I think is a valuable tool, mm-hmm. but it always makes me think of that um, SNL sketch where it's like Stuart Smalley, like talking into the mirror. Yeah. It was like, I am, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. and it feels so... Artificial and disingenuous. Yeah. So, yes. So don't do that. (laughs) Because that's not an alignment. Don't put on a cardigan and sit in front of a weird mirror. Yeah. I think the part of it is like, I think, so it's not fake it till you make it, but it's sometimes we have to move from this place of like, it's comfortable kind of living in this um, life that we've known for so long. And it's uncomfortable to try on like, kindness with ourselves yeah, right right but we know that kindness is what we want so it takes a little bit it takes effort you know it takes just like workouts can be in. uncomfortable exactly. too it's like that the first time you lift a certain weight mm-hmm. you're like oh this hurts but yeah, i know i'm, I'm right. on the way to something strong and good right and we might not even believe it and it's, so it's like just trying on this trying it on moving from just this awareness of this is what i want to the action of this is how i'm actually going to live my life and then it starts to really you know it, it can start to really sink in and and you know, you might surprise yourself like, oh, I was really gentle with myself. Um, and then, you know, and gratitude also helps with yes. us a lot. Um, you know, just kind of being grateful for what we do have and coming from that door of it. You know, right. it's like, you know, I'm really upset about my body about this, but gosh, look at all these other things that are happening that are working great. Right. And even from a mindfulness perspective, you know, John Kabat-Zinn says, you know, as long as you're breathing, like from a mindfulness perspective, you know, there's more right with you than wrong with you. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's a great thought too. It's like, and that's a gratitude practice and just that thought. Yeah. Um, What does, what does self-love look like? Like, what does that even mean? Can we talk about that? Because I feel like um, it's very existential it mm-hmm, sounds like a mm-hmm, little bit to me mm-hmm. like nebulous like what 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 will that look like and it's i'm sure it's a journey it's not like it's on like a destination where you're like right. i'm at self-love now right self-love is it's here. awesome you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> self-love is here you know totally. so what is that like what would some healthy kind of self-acceptance or love like look like yeah in real life yeah i think um Again, to your point, I think it's easiest to think about like how would we be loving towards like a beloved child? Okay. Like what what is that about? It's not just like the words we use. Mm-hmm. It's like the felt sense that when we're with them, the safety that we want to create, and it's it's having it's having that like um, all of your nonverbal communication also match. You know the message that you're yes, trying to get across. Right. So thinking about how you would you know you would 
you would love Treat one of my kids. Exactly. I would never say the things I say to myself to them, obviously. Right. And so I think that, you know, there's like this external work of self-love, like, oh, I'm going to make more time for myself and get a massage and what have you. And the internal part of it is like really trying to meet ourselves like we would a beloved child or meeting, you know, that beloved child inside of you, if that's something that resonates with you. But it's just... It, it's for a lot of people just easier to think easier to think of okay, outside themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. how would I speak to my my own my own child and then right. you know or how a niece can or I nephew or some you know yes. whomever. Yeah, right, right, right. Anyone, anyone. But with that gentleness, like exactly. with that love and and kindness, and that warmth and like even like your tone of your voice, you know, because yeah. it's like you know oh, that feels t- good. Actually, I love this idea because it seems easier to start like outside of myself mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. work in. Yeah, right. You know, right, right exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that's how I, I that's how I conceptualize it for myself, um, and it's just also just for me self love is really lowering my expectations. Like I think once I had a kid and I was going you know through grad school, like for me to just take a shower was a big deal, right? <laughs> it's like totally. it's like uh, if I actually get so out of funny. bed and you know, comb <laughs> my hair, win. it's a total win. And and also coming at life with a little bit, a bit of like joy and laughter, and right? Like, um, like I took Lightness. a shower today. Yeah, like, like I, I really showed up for myself. So, right. so I think that's self-love for me is just really like just putting everything like kind of at rest, like all these expectations that maybe aren't even mine, yes. but really saying, okay, like this is enough for today and just giving myself permission to just be enough, like just as it is. Like, I love it. How yeah. do you tease apart? Because when you talked about your turning, a, not necessarily turning a page, but mm-hmm adding to the chapter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and another career overlay you know but you said there were some like maybe familial or societal expectations or you know how do you help help clients tease apart like what's their value and what's um a value or expectation like when you're doing this kind of like core like uh, values work yeah how do you help them tease apart like something they were taught yeah but they may necessarily not hold it as a core value. Right, exactly. So how do you separate those things? Yeah. I think the beginning is just helping people really start to settle in and turn inward. And and again, it's just doing this work of like seeing what's here inside of us in terms of um, thoughts, emotions, physical sensations. And then you got you get in touch with what's happening in the body. And if I were to, you know, tell you a core value that maybe came from your mother, how how does that Maybe feel? Maybe a reaction. Exactly. How does where is that? Where are you feeling that in your body? Is it feeling like a sense of ease, or is there now like this like something happening Resistance in your or, you know yeah your gut clenches exactly. or something okay. right? And so the body often can kind of like be a very clear indicator of what's mine, and what's theirs. You know. Okay. Um, so that's that's how I usually kind of. It's interesting come to that. because it it seems like. When I think about like the core values, like the to that you everything seems to work back to you in this practice, right? About like making sure you're in alignment with the values, mm-hmm. right? The, how you treat yourself, how you treat others, how mm-hmm. you show up. Um, it seems like are there just like a I don't want to say a finite number, but I mean, does everyone end up having the same core values? Because if I didn't put warmth on there, like I would feel weird. Yeah. But does someone per, put like cold? I mean, I don't. I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Well, it, no. Like, how so could there those are range? there are people who. Um, I mean, it's I've heard all all kinds of things, and something like I do have people who would not put warmth on there. Really? You know, right now it just wouldn't occur to them. Well, it wouldn't occur to them, and even if I offered it, because sometimes they'll be like, "Well, what about warmth? What about you know someone you know showing up for you, being a soft landing, etc." And sometimes those just aren't things that resonate with people at this point in their lives. Okay, and, and no and judgment, but it's just interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So what are some sample? like values that you see often yeah okay um so typically there's joy and ease and kindness and compassion empathy strength consistency is a big one that's interesting like i wouldn't have put that down yeah but i think it's what i need Mm -hmm. interesting yeah consistency you know um in relationships with others consistency with the self i think Mm -hmm. that's a big thing especially for kids you know having consistency around that creates safety you know safety is often on often on lists um you know i mean pretty much anything that you know feels good inside of you would be on that list 
Um, and the list can evolve, right? Absolutely. So like for me, it's so interesting because the consistency that that consistency thing bubbles up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm working on with my coach. Is yeah. like I've always eschewed consistency because I'm like I don't have to have like because my dad was very so structured. Yeah. And I was like railed against that, right? So there was the resistance part mm-hmm, and the suffering mm-hmm. part. Like I'm not going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And so then I've kind of created this life again, like against structure. Yeah. But then I find that like when I do have structure, it's so beneficial. So like consistency may be like right now making me feel like a little mm-hmm. bit like uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. angsty. Yeah. But I mean, maybe it ends up being on the list in a year, you yeah, know? Right. Yeah. Or consistency in the way that you're framing it right now might not feel right. But maybe it's just consistency in terms of like how you show up for yourself yes. or how you show up for people. Right. So that it's not about working good. out. But right. it's like, how okay. can I how can I always be like the safe place for you to come? Yeah. Like it's not a volatile, like, what are you going to get when you meet Carrie? Like, exactly. you know, which Carrie are you going to get? Right, you know? right, right, right. Or how okay. can I, yeah. So and making it whatever you want to make it. But okay. just the point is, is that. Once we compile this list and it comes from like the, the like very core of you, like the truest part of yourself, then decisions are made more easily. Like if there's like, I don't know where to oh, go yeah. from here. Like and you, you hold it up against that list. You're exactly. like, okay. Yeah. Well, what's going to be in keeping with this list? Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, how do I want to meet this moment? Like I've had this, you know, sometimes I'll use it. Like I've had this, this person in my life where it's like, I'm choosing for them to still be here, but it's like, I, there's Is so much resistance. Matching up? Yeah. Yeah. So how I can't ask them to give me these things, but I can bring these into the moment for myself. Right. Right. I can't change the reality of who they are, but like I can meet myself with compassion if, you know, however, um, I can be a soft landing for myself Mm -hmm. or I can, I can have ease in my body if if I choose to. But again, we have to have awareness, you know, first as a first step and then having, moving into this action piece, which is what acceptance and commitment therapy asks you to do is moving into this action piece of, okay, now that we know what's here, now how do we live our best life? Like, how do we make choices that are in alignment with this? So let's say I'm working with you, mm-hmm. which sounds very exciting. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like sitting here going, I really want to do this work. <laughs> so like, um, I mean, I've been through so much therapy in my life, just at different s- stages sure. and some of it ongoing. Yeah. Um, like how long, I mean, or is it usually like, and it probably varies so much depending on where the client's at, where the, where they're meeting you from. Mm-hmm. But like, can you unpack some great stuff in the first few sessions where you can get to like these values? Like, I mean, does it take a long time to get to the values or I guess it just depends yeah. on how open the person is with you, right? Yeah, exactly. What, the, what people are coming in for, but certainly okay. I've had this conversation in the first session sometimes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes a couple of sessions. Sometimes, okay. you know, it, you know, it just, it really depends. Okay. Yeah. And then once the, once that part of the work has started or it's mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, you've got this great list, right? Of amazing, yeah. hopefully just right. juicy values. Um, what does the acceptance and commitment work look like? Mm-hmm. So then do you look at things in that person's life through the framework of the lens of these things? Yes. And saying this isn't aligning. Yeah. Like your marriage, you've been having issues, you know, it's probably because maybe there's values that are not shared or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so is that the acceptance and commitment stuff gets applied to real life yeah. situations yeah. and actions and right 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 and so it's it's the hope that it you know so a big part of acceptance and commitment therapy is the mindfulness piece and so okay. it's again it's like always doing this constant check-in of like okay well what is happening right now what is happening in my marriage what's happening when I'm across from my partner how am I showing up with all these things um, you know, and, and how am I living in alignment with this, you know, and then, you know, but there's also might be a, a place for saying, okay, well, even if I'm showing up in all this way, this person's still, you know, right. not doing that. And there could be work, you know, maybe some couples work or what have you. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it's, it's a, it, this takes practice, you know, and it is an evolution. Like you add things on the list, you refine things on the list, you might take something off, um, so it, you know, it, it just takes practice over time to really start to check in. And then there's, there's deeper, deeper layers, you know, as you, yes. as time goes on. Right. Yeah. And do you have your, do you have your clients, um, keep journals or like, you know, cause I, I would think that it would be great to have some examples to bring into session of like when I, you know, when the patient would stop and, and do the check. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, we even have like little journals that we can give people at our practice. But yeah, I, I mean, having them write down like these steps so that they have something tangible to take home because all of these things are are kind of different ways of navigating the world. Right. And so because they take practice, it's helpful to have a little bit of an outline and kind of streamline it for them. So I do offer that. Um, and then, yeah, absolutely. Navi- I, I'm a huge proponent of journaling. Um, you know, when it can be a vessel for kind of like, again, unpacking things. Like insight. Like, because I think that, you know, if I were working with you, I'd want to come in and give you some examples of like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. this is where a thought ran away from me and I wasn't mindful. And then it spiraled and then I was eating the Fruit Loops or whatever. Yes. And here's an example of where I, you know, showed empathy to my inner critic and... Right, and right, then right. I think that helps to talk that through in session a totally. lot of times with with you as an expert going okay like let's let's break this apart a little bit yeah right like what else was happening mm-hmm. when the runaway thought happened right right you know? right, right right exactly yeah so I think journaling is great to do at home and even having like something to write down notes on in session it's it's a great like adjunct do you have um like a, a mindfulness practice for yourself, not just like in the moment, like a, when something's confronting you, but mm-hmm. like, do you have like a proactive um, mindfulness practice that you adhere to that you'd yeah. want to share that like you feel is a good, I mean, it's good, you know, everyone's different, mm-hmm. but like, do you meditate in the morning or like, mm-hmm. what does yours look like? Yeah. So it's, mine's very different now that I have, a three-year-old who wakes up <laughs> at different hours of the day. Yes. Um, so, I mean, and, you, and we have to just be practical, you have to roll right? with that. Yeah, we have to roll with it. Like, I, I don't live on the side of a mountain, and, and I don't have, like, all this You're free like time to Tibet, do it. You're, like, not in Tibet, you know, with the Dalai Lama. Yeah, or... I mean, I would that would be great, but that's just not my yeah, life. Not right now. Yeah. So um, so I try to do 30 minutes a day of some sort of mindful, mindful mindfulness practice, whether it's a 30-minute seated meditation, 30 minutes of mindful movement, and that could be mindful walking, okay. mindful yoga. Um, and and oftentimes what I find is like if, you know, it's, I'm laying at if my daughter's falling asleep and I'm just sitting there with her at the end of the night, it's just sitting there for 30 minutes and just doing my mindful breathing or my, you know, whatever my practice is, you okay. know, um, awareness of thoughts, emotions, sensations as they're arising, but trying to do it for 30 minutes. Okay. Um, that number for me is just what has worked for me. Um, you could do five minutes. Yeah. You could do 45 minutes. And you could start too. Like if yeah. if it's not something you're comfortable with necessarily, you could start with just a few minutes. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Actually, there's research that's coming out, I think from Sarah Lazar and um, back in Massachusetts about what length of time is necessary to kind of get those cortical changes on the MRI, the, the brain changes. Okay. Um, because most of the research is done with like these 30 to 45 minute intervals that are done okay. with the mindfulness-based stress reduction courses. Um, and, you know, there are, uh, you know, significant changes in the brain, like pre- pre-course for, you know, somebody who's never meditated before to after. Wow, okay. There's a lot of improvements in the gray matter that help with emotion regulation and executive functioning. And that's all blood frontal cortex yeah, or, yeah yeah right and then also like how the cortices or the the sides of the brain are kind of relating to each other wow, okay. how much control the amygdala has over you know during um like when when a stressor arises you know over time over the course of the cl- over the course of the class it has less control wow, okay. um, and can kind of be um, regulated more easily um, but they're doing research now to see if even shorter amounts of time can, can also beneficial. have, yeah, the same types of benefits or similar benefits okay. in terms That's of changing the matter. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, for people that want to see you, mm-hmm. right? So they can go either to the Smith Psychotherapy Group website, right? Yep. And they yep. can find you, Nicole Riley, mm-hmm. your bio's there yep. and all sorts of great stuff. Mm-hmm. And then what, what are these... Um, and are there other things we should talk about too? But are these UCI classes, what yeah. is, how do I find out about that? Yeah. So um, on my website, I have a, a personal website, what? which is just no, Nicole Riley Therapy. Okay. So N I C O L E R E I L L Y therapy.com. Yep. Okay. Yep. And um, on there, I have links to oh, like okay. my, for my practice, you know, my psychotherapy practice, yep. but also the mindfulness-based stress reduction courses that I teach at UCI. Okay. Um, those are eight-week courses. How often a week is it? Once a week. Uh-huh. 
And it's usually from the one that I teach is, is in the evening. The next oh, one nice. starts on March 25th. Okay. Um, they're at, they're off of Bristol and the 73, that oh, area. Oh, so convenient. Yeah. yeah right, right, right across from Ganal Lumber. Oh yeah. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. And like you could go to Acapulco for a margarita, probably too. Right. I mean, you I don't could. think that's mindful. Yeah, maybe you probably I don't wouldn't want to. It's it's yeah, you whatever. Know. There's a Starbucks. <laughs> we can have a green tea. But um, so it's right there, which is so easy. Exactly. And how yeah. long? Like, what's the time commitment on yeah. those once a week? So it's two hours from okay. five thirty to seven thirty, okay. and then um, so that's for eight weeks, and then there's a, a six hour retreat on a Ooh, Saturday, okay. right? And it's a um, a silent retreat where you kind of use all of these practices. So you're, a silent retreat, right? I know. I, I hesitate. I've had friends to go that. to like you know places <laughs> and not talk for like a week, which I don't really right. But, so six hours of six hours of just doing the meditations, and for some people that sounds absolutely no. I think it sounds like delicious, a, but you I know. think it sounds like a goal. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, and it. Uh, for most people, it flies by. It really does. Really, um, yeah. Okay. And so you do you do a lot of the you basically we build up to that because that's after class six. So you've done okay. the seated meditations, the mindful walking, the mindful yoga, okay. the body scan, um, and then there's a couple new ones that we add in there. And um, it's a day of like you know just turning inward, you know taking down all your masks that we carry around, yes. the mom mask, the podcast, you all know, creator, yeah, and business, all of the things, all, all the business stuff. We just you know, turn turn all that off wow. if we can. You know, which is part of the practice. Yeah, and then just really turning inward and seeing what's here. And it's a great um, container for using all these new tools. How do you feel after personally? Because I mean, you can't yeah. vouch for other people necessarily. Right. But how do you feel after like a six hour retreat, silent retreat? Yeah. So is it exhausting? It, is it energizing? Is it calming? Is it it's all those very things. calming. Okay. Um, and I feel like I don't want like the radio on afterwards. Okay. And I want to just go home and like be still. I love more. that. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, everyone's different. Right. But that's so interesting. Right, right. I think a lot of people, and you know, you can imagine how you'd feel after a week of doing like a silent retreat or something. Um, but yeah, so most people kind of feel energized. It's, but it's, it is tough work, you know, when we no, I'm not, put I, the distractions I'm, aside. Listen, yeah. that's why I'm not doing yoga, to right. be honest. It's like getting the thoughts and like not attaching to it and letting it float yeah. by. I'm like, wow, yeah. this is hard. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, and you know, and the and the course teaches you like other ways that perhaps like maybe just labeling the thought feels yeah. better for you. Like, okay, right. this is a planning, or I'm fantasizing, okay. or I'm judging. So it can go in a folder for later. Yeah, maybe. or it doesn't even have to. It just label it and then just and let it go. See where it's landing physically in the body. If is there an emotion attached to it, and then just think, okay, yeah. well, so it's here, and then something else might arise. Yep. Okay. So not feeling like there's like this, you know hard mechanical way of doing meditation okay. it's actually yeah. very much a should be soft right soft uh, like space. It's not just another thing that you're having to do add in time because you should do it it's like right. this great act of love that really. you get to do yeah right it's okay. a great act of of kindness for the self if we can just kind of take down those expectations take a deep breath and just let it evolve as it's going to going to evolve yeah and it learning will. to do that is it's hard. It's it's different. It takes discipline, yeah. I think, yeah. of its own kind. Yeah. It's an unwinding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we cover before we um, close out this episode? I don't think so. I think I loved our conversation. Yeah, yeah same. And I feel, uh, I personally feel like I've been doing some deep belly breathing and um, during this because I'm like, because you keep talking about it. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to do that yeah. right now. And right. I feel very calm. Good. And I'm excited about this approach to therapy because I I feel like I've done it all. I mean, mm -hmm. not all, but you know, mm -hmm. approaching all um, yeah. over my 50 year mm -hmm. you know lifespan. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm thankful I've gotten to have access to so many different modalities of therapy, from yeah. like EMDR to all mm -hmm. sorts of different stuff. Yeah. Um, but this sounds this acceptance and commitment therapy sounds very uh, appealing. Um, and just so, uh, it's probably good for any time, but so good for our times that we're living in. I feel like it's it's very um, attuned and built for this kind of chaotic, yeah, crazy time when we can like so easily not just lose touch with what our values are, but like not even know what they are, like right. not even have thought about life in that way. Yeah. So it's exciting for me that you're doing this work and that this exists as a an approach. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think with all the social media and everything, we we are moved we're so removed from what is even inside of us. Yeah. We don't even you know we're looking to others for answers and totally. validation, and and this is a a, a way. The hope is that you can learn to start to see what's here and start to trust yourself to find the answers. You know, turning inward. I love it. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I'm very externally focused a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, not just giving, but like actually just in a weird way, like not really in touch with me. So I think most people feel yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. That's very normal. So um, if you're like most people, like me, you'll want to look up Nicole Riley, N-I-C-O-L-E-R-E-I-L-L-Y therapy.com. And I'll put it in uh, my post. And of course, smithpsychotherapygroup.com also, of which Nicole is a part. And thank you so much for being with me today. This was a great episode. And I'm so excited for your your new overlay chapter to your medical career. Thank you. And hope to talk to you again soon. Likewise. All right. Have a good week, everybody.